Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Probably feeling quite good this morning after a 1-0 win over Wolves last night. And that is the focus of this podcast. It's basically a post-match podcast because when we play on Thursday night, obviously there's no point preparing and recording a podcast on Thursday. So we've done something for you this morning. It is not an Arscast Extra because James is actually in Ireland. They're after me, Loki. But there is still plenty to talk about, of course, after what was an eventful night at Molyneux last night. Three points, the most important thing, but another red card, more backs to the wall defending. It was tense, but we got there, we got over the line, and I think it's something worth celebrating, even if some people don't agree. There you go. We'll talk about all that and much more right now with Andrew Allen. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, good morning to you. How are you today? I'm all right. Um, very, very nice to wake up on a Friday morning with such a satisfying three points in the bag. It is. Um, a, it was satisfying, wasn't it? I mean, in the end, I think I messaged you about four or five minutes after the game because normally there would be some kind of message on our messagey thing, and I went, mm. uh, "Are you still alive? Are you still there?" <laughs> it was. It was pretty tense towards the end, but like uh, satisfying, I think, is a great word to start this conversation. Yeah, you know what it was. I was, I was. Um, when you're trying to do the match report and you're trying to sort of basically sort of add in the intro paragraph mm. right at the end, where you're summing up what's happened, yeah. and you're sitting there and you're just not quite sure until the very, <laughs> you know, until the whistle goes that you can actually kind of commit to something. Uh, that's what kind of kept me sort of silent for a little bit. And then there was the other thing, which is because all of the incidents revolved around two Gabriels. It was trying to explain it in a clear way that made sure that people understood who scored the goal, who got sent off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it is a, yeah, a tale of two Gabriels, um, Martinelli and Gabriel Magalhaes. But, I mean, I don't know where quite to start with this one um, because I've got a lot of feelings about what happened and what went on and what the reaction was to it afterwards and, and all that kind of stuff. So, Maybe we just go with the first half and the team selection, I think, pretty much as expected. Uh, the only, um, I think, issue was whether or not Tommy Asu was going to be fit or not. He wasn't. Cedric played, uh, did pretty well, I think, over the 90 minutes. I think that was probably one of his one of his best games. But, you know, Wolves beforehand, they were talking about their defensive record, how good they were, how few uh, they concede, et cetera, et cetera. So it was always, I think anyway, it was never going to be like a 3-4-0 kind of game. It felt a little bit like the Burnley game in that 
you're playing a team that's pretty resolute. They're at home. They don't concede many at home. So you're probably going to nick it with a goal or two, you know, nothing more than that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they are well organized and they are kind of tough to break down. Yeah, I mean, they they look like a side who know exactly what they're supposed to do on the pitch. And I think, I mean, the other thing mm. that I thought was was going to be difficult for us to contend with was the, <clears throat> the lack of rhythm. Mm. Um, and that was something that Arteta kind of brought up in the post-match comments, which was when you don't play for 18 days, and bear in mind that we were coming off the back of a bad run where we'd not scored any goals, mm. um, you know, things don't just magically get better and you go into a game and start, you know, playing slick football. So he was very nervous about that. And to be fair, I thought we were okay in the opening moments. Um, helped, I think, by the fact that Wolves weren't a type, the type of team to go gung-ho. Um, but we settled pretty quickly. I think, as you say, you know, um, Cedric was, was was pretty was pretty good. I, I thought uh, across the the defence, everybody had a touch. Everybody kept the ball moving. Um, it was kind of heartening seeing Xhaka and Party back in the team. We just <laughs> looked a little bit more kind of like confident, I guess, in yeah. ourselves. Um, and 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 all in all, yeah, as as starts go, it was exactly what I wanted. What I didn't want, and I'd written about it on 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 the blog a couple of days before, was. Just do not concede early. Do not kind of have one of those sort of horrible starts where the crowd suddenly go, ah, we've got yeah. Arsenal tonight. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the thing about Wolves is while they don't concede very many, they don't score very many either. And I think that was evident in in the first half. They have some threat, clearly, but they just don't really put a great deal of, of pressure on you. I think we coped really well in general with them. And there were moments where some of the football, that rhythm you talked about, it looked like it was coming. There was one chance, I think, for, was it Lacazette, where we worked it from the left-hand side over to the right-hand side, Saka with a nutmeg, and a couple of times where I thought, well, he's lost the ball here, but somehow the defenders, when he gets into that kind of, into that space on that right-hand side, they tend to stand off him a bit more than I think they should. Uh, I think they could have nicked the ball away from him a couple of times, but he set a black as that who shot straight uh, at the goalkeeper. Um, you know, so there were signs that, that some of that interplay was, was happening, but not a great deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we all know as a fan base that we're going to struggle for goals this season. Um, so the the idea is we've obviously got to try and create more chances and hope that whoever happens to be playing up top is going to take something. I thought what was really really interesting last night was the emphasis on the set pieces and the and the throw-ins in particular. Like literally inside the first ten minutes, Kieran Tierney gets the ball throwing you know a good thirty yards out from goal, mm. and suddenly we're sending the centre backs up. It says to me that Arteta's calculated the number of goals that we need to make up in Aubameyang's absence. And he's thinking, okay, we can get four or five from set pieces. We've got to make the most of those. We've got to put people up front early doors. And to be fair, like we were pretty menacing from set pieces last night. I mean, sending Gabriel and Ben White, two big lads up. I mean, both of them, I mean, Gabriel obviously scored. Um, ben White had the chance, didn't he, actually, in the, in the yeah, first half? Yeah, there was a the shot blocked. Back, and yeah. that was blocked as well. Yeah. And he'd gone up for an earlier free kick. So there was a lot of emphasis on putting the big guys up top, um, which – you know, to my mind, automatically I was thinking, Jesus Christ, here we are, like Rory Delap, Stoke, we're going long <laughs> ball. Just you, trying yeah. to... But, you know, it is what it is at the moment. I think we just need to try and build our confidence because every time we score a goal, we look a better team. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean... we don't score that many goals. 
I guess it is about maximizing the goal threat that we have with the players in the squad because we all know there's a shortfall, a shortcoming at centre forward, you know, starting and depth, certainly when you're looking at the bench. So trying to maximize the number of scenarios in which you can threaten and score a goal, I guess, does make some sense. I do find it, I mean, it could be some kind of leftover snobbery or whatever it is. The long throw thing it leaves me a bit yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Because I think we do associate it with teams like Stoke and that Stoke team um, who none of us like and have any warm feelings for whatsoever. At the same time, though, that was a fairly dangerous weapon for them. And I remember when we started doing this with Tierney, the long throw type thing, they weren't that long. They were sort of mid throws, not necessarily long throws. I wonder, you know, have they got him in the gym doing some extra weights and whatever it might be, you know, getting his rotator cuffs (laughs) (laughs) rotating like mad so he can get a bit more distance on them. Certainly there was a bit more distance on them last night, but it does leave me a little cold. It it doesn't strike me that it's yet the weapon that it needs to be for us to be putting all our eggs in that basket. (laughs) Yeah, Um, And there is something, I have to say, distinctly grubby about, you know, the towels being placed around the pitch because those are our towels as well. They weren't Wolves towels. We we'd specifically placed blue Adidas towels around the pitch, knowing full well that this was going to be a tactic. Yeah, um, yeah, it feels a little bit kind of like second rate. But honestly, at the moment, you know, this is this is where we are. If this is going to be a building block, so that we can, you know get Champions League football and then mm. go and buy a striker and then we don't have to worry about, you know, hurling balls into the box like this. And that's fine by me at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, beggars beggars can't be choosers. Um, and, and the goal, in fairness, did come from uh, a set piece. And actually, I think there was an interesting moment just before we got the corner, which led to the goal, was a, a Cedric cross from the right-hand side, which I think Lacazette should have done better with. I was looking at it first time in real time. It was like, oh, well, maybe he was under pressure from the defender there. Wasn't really a a chance, but I think it was. I think it was a genuine chance for a striker to get ahead on the ball. Martinelli did some good work and we got the, we got the corner. I mean, it was a scrappy one. Sometimes you need those to win a game. We'd have taken one of those against Burnley. Um, Not the prettiest goal you're ever going to see in your life, but I think in some ways a reward for the way that the Arsenal players committed themselves to the set piece, if you like, because it came in, it went back across Ben White with a really good header back in. He didn't just loop it. He put some power on it. Lacazette, I think missed the ball completely, got taken out by the goalkeeper and Gabriel was there to, to, to poke it home. I mean, their objections to the goal were hilarious. Well, I mean, honestly, when you look at the replay, if if Gabriel doesn't put the ball in, surely you're asking for a penalty there, yeah, Lacazette. I absolutely. Mean, he's cleaned him out. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I, I guess it was just the fact that the keeper went down kind of holding his hand, I think mm. it was, that, that kind of diverted attention. But no, I mean, look, it was it was far from far from pretty. I thought, um, as you said, I mean, the Cedric cross was good. Cedric does put in a dangerous ball. I don't think it's the type of ball that you want Lacazette to be chasing, unfortunately, but Mm. this is what we've got. You know, this is why we're probably in the market for a a, a taller, more physical um, presence in the box. Um, 
real big kudos to, to Martinelli for, for keeping it going because, you know, that's just what he does. You know, he yeah. doesn't give up. And I think those little moments where you harry and hassle and just find yourself winning an extra set piece, I mean, they can be the difference. The big clubs, I mean, Manchester City and Liverpool, they obviously, you know, they have players all over the pitch who are harrying people and keeping up the, the momentum. Mm. And, you know, those those can, that, can be the, that can be the difference. It really is. Um, the fact that we scored first was incredibly important you could tell that by the reaction on the on the bench because mm. chasing a game against wolves who don't concede many goals knowing that we don't score that many goals would have been really 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 difficult yeah um, it would have left us a little bit more open on the break as well so the first goal last night was so decisive i loved it uh, you know even though it was so horribly scrappy i was just like yes that is what we needed how worried were you at halftime? Look, 1-0 away from home um, to a team that doesn't score a great deal. You've got something to really protect there. But I was worried, obviously, because we had a couple of yellow cards. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka, both of whom have been sent off recently, both of whom I'm sure were told as much as possible, don't do anything that that gets you a yellow card. Both of them were in the referee's book. I think the one, the party one was, I think it was quite harsh because the referee early on had let a couple of fouls go. I think there was one by Ben White and there was one by the guy who Seth, looks like uh, Kilman. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where he took out Martinelli. It was a very obvious foul. And I think if both of those players had been booked at that point, you couldn't really have argued with those decisions. But having let those go, to then book Thomas Partey for what was like a fairly routine coming together in midfield felt a little bit harsh. Granit Xhaka, who a couple of minutes earlier had made an absolutely superb defensive header. It could have been from a corner floated in well actually floated in it was whipped in with real pace he he made a fantastic defensive header I think defensively he was very good last night but his yellow card was like oh my god this is this is one of those where the, the, the first yellow is so unbelievably stupid you can't help but project forward onto what would probably be like a harsh second yellow but he could have no complaints because of how daft the, the first one was so I was a little bit worried about that and a little bit worried about our ability to compete in midfield in the second half. Um, yeah, I think I tweeted at the break that, um, you know, I was pretty worried about the Bash brothers being on bookings. And um, <laughs> it's, I mean, the Xhaka one was just very, very Xhaka, wasn't it? The guy got past him and it was the yeah. classic, like, outstretch hand, start pulling the shirt. Well, not too dissimilar, I guess, to the situation he got into with... Um, uh, but was it Bernardo Silva in the Man City game? Yes, yeah, I mean he let the ball bounce, it's, didn't he? He shouldn't it's, have. It, the moment your hand goes out to kind of grab someone's shirt, you're in trouble, right? I mean, you're basically yeah. accepting defeat. And, and he's not subtle, is he? I mean, it was no. <laughs> from from TV pictures you can see he's just like got a lump of the guy's shirt, and it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, on the if that was Granite Xhaka scale, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred percent. Yeah, but. Um, I mean, the thing is, there was inconsistency there, though, because Cedric made two challenges that could easily have also gone in the book, mm. and he didn't get booked for either of them, which I thought was, you know, I was looking at Cedric and I was thinking, you're bloody lucky there, especially once the second one has happened, the crowd were on him as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're a bit nervous at half time, given our record for red cards, that both your midfielders are on a booking, and then not too long afterwards, Gabriel went in the book, didn't he, for, for time, time wasting. wasting. yeah. And you're thinking, oh, God, lads, like, you're making it difficult. And the, the time wasting does 
annoy me because it feels like a diktat coming from above. Like you don't, like I'm sure Arteta's saying, guys, we need to be a little bit more niggly. We need to be a little bit more you yeah. know, tactical in our fouling. We need to waste time when we can waste time. But we do start doing it very, very early and it gets the crowd up and the referee gets on it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's kind of like, sometimes you just want the play to keep flowing because actually we're not doing that badly. Um, I mean, other times, obviously, in the last five minutes or so, you're thinking, okay, yeah, just do everything you can. Ramsdale's mm. very good at that. But I do feel like we're a little bit too negative too early sometimes. Um, again, that may be down to confidence um, and, and, and maybe we'll be able to kind of put that to one side in the future. But you, you hope, yeah, that Arsenal Football Club is big enough to be able to go, you know what, holding on to a 1-0 lead away from home, let's, go, let's get more than this. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but I can... Like, I worried about the Gabriel um, Magalhaes yellow because, like, the two times that he's been sent off for us, his second yellow has followed really quickly afterwards. And usually the first one is like, it's not that much of a foul. So I was concerned that, you know, history might repeat itself again. But I think he did. I think he did well just to maintain his composure um, in a second half where it was... It was scrappy, and there wasn't a great deal happening from a from an attacking perspective for either side. It was one of those where maybe another set piece would bring about a goal. Um, there weren't too many chances. There weren't too many saves for either goalkeeper to make. And it was sort of interesting to see, I think at one point, Granit Xhaka, who, you know, his role in the team yesterday was, you know, he was playing quite far forward at times. He was playing in that left space, um, you know, normally we talk about him and he drops back in to become the third central defender. And yesterday there was one moment where he, I think he overlapped into the the attacking left back position, pulled the ball back. There was nobody there. Um, you know, so that was something that we had to contend with um, as well. And then we get to the madness. The yeah. Madness. Um, well, I mean, I know, I know your thoughts on the, on the incident. I mean, I've read mm. the blog this morning. We discussed it a bit last night. I, I mean, like everybody else, I've never seen anything quite like that. Um, I think Martinelli 100% figured that having made that first foul on Podence, that he had a bit of a free hit on yeah. Chiquinho. Yeah. And I did think to myself, oh, a bit daft. Be curious to see what happens here. But I didn't think anything more than yellow card talking to. And mm. I thought actually Martinelli might be the next person to, to come off anyway. So I wasn't overly concerned about it but my god i mean that was just so bizarre so bizarre to decide to turn and round and, and book him twice in the space of you know what was it what two seconds really i mean i've, yeah. I've never seen anything like that and and yeah as as, as arteta said you have to really want to send a player off i, I think that's to, a really that yeah, decision yeah i think that's a really interesting part of of this discussion because like you i don't think i've ever seen that in the premier league before um i know there are some there's discussion today online about the technicality of the first yellow card. Like, was the ball in play? Should he have played an advantage when the ball wasn't in play? The foul took place off the pitch. Was it a foul throw? All of these kind of things. And mm. I think you can look at it and say, well, maybe that first one is a yellow and that second one is a yellow. But again, there's no... From referees, there's no common sense applied to decisions where I think you could look at that and say, 
here's a young player who's fired up, who's working hard, who's chasing back. He made a bit of a daft foul, but you can give him a booking and you can say, look, you're on your, your last legs here. Next time you're going off. I think Michael Oliver absolutely wanted to send somebody off last night because, you know, that, that comment from Arteta, you have to be willing to um, to give that as a red card. I think he's absolutely right because we'll never see it again. We will never see that again in, in the Premier League. We will never see it uh, at top level, I don't think. I saw like somebody was going, oh, look, it did happen before and it's like a fucking Welsh... <laughs> Sunday League uh, video, you know, filmed on a Nokia 20 years ago, whatever it is. So, like, I, I I, get people might be pissed off at Martinelli and think, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He should have, you know, kept his composure and all that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I just can't help but be, A, pissed off that we got another player sent off when there was talk before the game about we can't get players sent off. But also just how soft it is and what it does to a game of football. Like, do, what is what Martinelli did there really, really uh, meriting of a red card and a team being punished to that extent? I don't think it is. Um, and I know that the subjectivity and common sense don't really apply when it comes to laws, uh, certainly as referees try and understand them or think that they understand them. But I don't know. I, I just found that. I found it extraordinary. I really, really did. Yeah, I mean, I saw Peter Walton on BT Sport oh, kind of being put through the ringer by <laughs> Rio Ferdinand I, I didn't, and Robbie I didn't, Savage. I didn't see it. I didn't watch that. What did he say? Well, I think the the, gen, the general gist was he started to de- defend the decision-making and, and started pointing at the laws and how uh, the break that Wolves were on was potentially a goal-scoring opportunity, blah, 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 blah. Um, but really, it's it's about common sense, which is what the you know Rio Ferdinand and Robbie Savage of all people were were, were talking about mm. in the studio. It's just if you're playing a game of football and that situation plays out, <clears throat> it doesn't make sense to give the player a red card. It really is as an ent- as a whole entity, as a yellow card situation. Um, personally, I thought as separate incidents, those were both yellow cards, especially in the game state and the way the other bookings had gone mm. earlier with, with Party and Shaka. I thought this, I didn't really have a problem with the idea that he might get a booking for that second foul. I mean, he was chasing back. He took the player out. The guy was on the run. It just, as you say, and as we've discussed, you'll never see it again, though, the way that that played out. And also, just blow the whistle. Like, literally just blow the whistle and give him the booking and let Wolves go. I, I, exactly. Like that's how these things play out ninety nine percent of the time. Mm. Um, you know, if it's it's if it's deemed that much of an offence to book someone, usually you go and book them there and then in the moment. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can see why Arteta was absolutely furious at full time. I mean, he was talking in the in the uh, press conference about having talks with the officials, which I guess he means the PGMOL or the Premier League mm. about. Not just this decision, but the usage of VAR, I think he hinted at in, which I assume references the, the Man City game, which was, I yeah. mean, it feels like years ago, but was our last Premier League game. Well, no, we um, played Burnley, remember? Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, easy yeah. to forget Burnley, let's face it. Yeah, well, quite. <laughs> I mean, it's just, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's really naffed off by the inconsistency and the fact that we seem to be some kind of like yeah, experimental kind of gerbil in the, mm. you know, 
just sort of like they're trying out new techniques for how how we might piss people off in the game and um yeah it's uh i can understand that i don't think you'll get anywhere with talks i mean i'm not sure exactly what he's expecting to to happen i mean the more you moan about these things the more it feels like you become a, a a lightning rod for the referees to you know go and go and target this is it i mean i think this is an interesting one like i'm pretty sure like i'm not one for uh, for conspiracy theories but i'm absolutely sure there's a pool in the pgmol office like last man to send off an arsenal player this season has to fucking lick a shitty stick or something i don't know what it is but you know th- this is um this is a problem right all these red cards are problems and the disciplinary things are are problems because it feels self-perpetuating. Like we're a team that's easy to give red cards against. Therefore we get red cards because we're an easy team to give red cards against. Therefore we get red cards. And like, we have to kind of stop the cycle and, and there are things that we can do and things that we can control as a team, individuals, you know, to, to uh, certainly lessen the possibility of a red card. But there are other things that appear to be kind of out of our control in a way, when it comes to some of the decision-making, like, the only team that could have had a player sent off like that in the entire world is Arsenal. Like, I could not see that happen to any other team. But we have to solve the problem. We, we do have to, to get on top of this. And I, I wonder, you know, when you say there, like, we have a target on us because we have this disciplinary record, which is pretty abysmal. When, when you step back from it and just look at it in terms of numbers, it's really bad. And we got away with it last night and, and credit to the, to the guys for the way that they defended. And I think to the manager for a substitution decision, which worked really well, which we'll come to, but you know, Arteta keeps making the point. I think he's right that if you keep getting players sent off, you know, at, at this level, it becomes increasingly difficult to generate or to to accumulate the amount of points that you need in a Premier League season. So, how do you how do you think you can change this perception? Like Arsenal are the red card team now, and referees are looking at Arsenal players. I, I subconsciously, I'm sure. They're looking at Arsenal and they're looking at the fouls and they're looking at the incidents involving Arsenal players. And again, I'm not saying this is any kind of conspiracy, but it certainly feels like the the thresholds for the harshest judgment for us are different than they are to, to other teams. Well, I mean, statistically, when you look at our red card record and the tally that alongside the number of fouls we make and stuff... I mean, was there not the Orbino statistic last night that Thomas Partey's been booked for his last three fouls or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't know where the line gets drawn for Arsenal and where it gets drawn for other clubs. But, I mean, maybe it's just... You you see the familiarity that some players have and the relationships that they build with referees, some teams, you know, whether it be a Harry Kane or... Uh, it used to happen all the time, you know, mm. Stephen Gerrard or, or Frank Lampard, or you used to see these kind of figurehead players on the pitch, and they they seem to have a kind of almost jovial, joking relationship with some of the officials before the game in the tunnel, mm. half time. There'd be kind of cheeky smiles during games and all that kind of stuff. You don't really see that with Arsenal. Arsenal players don't seem to have any relationship with any of these referees. They're kind of completely sort of living in two separate worlds and during the game I don't see any of our referees trying to 
taught or sorry our players trying to talk the the officials down from the ledge when it comes to making some decisions there's a lot of complaining but maybe we need to kind of go in with the mm. killing them with niceness kind of tactic i mean it's gonna it's gonna be <laughs> easier said than done in a game when everything's so tense and stuff but yeah. We have to find different ways of persuading the referees that we're not that kind of player, that we get the benefit of the doubt. I thought last night when Cedric had done the second foul and he kind of put on the nice boy act and he kind of went, I mean, he did the kind of like prayer yeah, sign yeah, yeah. in front of the referee <laughs> and he's kind of got his nice little boy haircut and he's kind of looking there, looking all honest and stuff. And you think, well, okay, maybe that's gone in his advantage in mm. that instance. Um, but it shouldn't be like that. I mean, it shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't have to act like that no. way around officials to get the decision to go in your favour. No, I mean there was, I think, a, a conversation between Aaron Ramsdale, and Michael Oliver, just after the uh, the sending off. And, and look, we, we've got to talk about the couple of minutes that that followed that because they were they were also quite extraordinary. I think it, you know in the in the sort of furore of the red card, what happened in the next sixty ninety seconds was was amazing, but. Ramsdale was there definitely talking to him. I think towards the end, you know, as the players were coming onto the pitch, Lacazette, as the captain, was going to talk to the referee. And I think Arteta came on and was calling him and had a word. And I think he was trying to say, look, whatever you've got to say to the referee, you know, keep it keep it yeah. respectful, keep it um, polite, all of that kind of stuff. Because if you go mental and if you make the referee feel like, well, look at these cunts, you know, look at the way they're behaving towards me. Next time, they're definitely not getting the benefit of the doubt. So I think there is something to that, that that managing those relationships with referees, but also, you know, we have to somehow unpaint the target from our backs. And the only thing we can do is just try and maintain as much discipline as we can. Um, You know, we're not a team that does a a lot of bad tackles. Maybe there's something to the way that we're playing under Mikel Arteta where, you know, there is a, a an element of cynicism in some of the, the, the way that we're set up, um, which I think we've missed, you know, the ability to, to, to make those tactical fouls where, I don't know if we're not getting the benefit of the doubt or if we're not good enough at making those fouls or making those fouls look as innocuous as they should. You know, that's maybe something that the manager has to think about when he instructs his players in certain game scenarios, game situations like, you know, the you know the idea of where, okay, well, look, if the guy is running past you on the halfway line, just take him out, take the yellow. And we all say, take the yellow. That's a good yellow. I don't know how we how we balance, you know, that good yellow, which I think at times can be a really good yellow, with the the potential for extra punishment because something else that happens within a game is going to be seen through the prism of this ill-disciplined Arsenal side. I think a lot of it comes down to we have to get better at playing football. Because if we get if we get better at playing football, we're controlling yeah. more of the game. There'll be less of those situations where we have to make yeah, yeah, the cynical tackles where we're turned and we're you know. Last night, Martinelli made that he got himself sent off because he showed the determination and the willingness to chase back and stop a mm. potential goal scoring opportunity. Let's say, and he will have been told by the manager, "We need you a to chase back and b if you think there's going to be a real." you know, desperate situation, take the yellow. Mm. Um, I think that's part of our game. I think we just need to get to a point where we're controlling games in a, in a, in a, in a better way. 
if we're scoring more goals, then you've got a bigger advantage, then you're less likely to have to make some of those desperate uh, challenges. But, I mean, all of that's going to take a long, long time. I mean, at the same time, it doesn't really explain the fact that it happens more to us than it does to other teams. So there's still an unknown there. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, actually. Be better at football and be more in control of games and score lines, and, and maybe it doesn't become quite as, as big an issue. It's, it's, like the, it's like the missing chances thing, where yeah. when you don't create many chances, you miss one. It feels like a, a stab in the heart, which is where we've got to go, I guess, after the, the red card, because um, from the resulting free kick, Granit Xhaka put the ball in our net, um, which would have felt like, I don't know what, uh, you know, for that to happen and then for Xhaka to score an own goal, you know, <laughs> it's like the very core of the earth would melt in rage from from Arsenal fans. But, you know, they were offside. Jimenez was offside. So uh, that didn't count. And then up the other end, we had an, a, a superb chance to make it 2-0. Uh, with Alexandre Lacazette. Really good pass from Gabriel. And I think he's got to hit the target at the very least there. I mean, what would you prefer? The keeper to make a save or for the ball to go wide? I mean, it was. it's not like it was an open goal, but with just the keeper to beat, when you're the number nine, when you're an experienced striker, I think he's got to do better. I... I... If he hits the ball straight at the goalkeeper, you're furious because it's just a terrible finish. Mm. If you put the ball as wide as wide as he did, again, you're furious because it's a terrible finish. But he did at least try the right thing, which was to try and curl it to the yeah. you know round like Henri or Aubameyang might have done. Um, I mean, the fact that he came out and apologised on you know Instagram after the game for missing that chance, I know I need to do better, <laughs> pretty much says everything about it. I mean, mm. it was as guilt-edged as you're going to get. And in that particular moment, I mean, like it couldn't be a more decisive moment in the game, that opportunity, really. I mean, he's so lucky that it didn't come back to to haunt us. Yeah, you you Um, can always tell how good a chance is by how raucous the cheers of the opposition fans are when you miss. And they basically cheered that like it was a goal. Yeah, I mean, like if you're a Wolves in, a Wolves fan in that particular moment and you've just seen Arsenal go down to 10 men, you've seen the ball end up in the Arsenal net and then you've seen that happen, you're just thinking to yourself, that was a moment where the game was lost but we're still in it and actually mm. there's still three points up for grabs here. So obviously you're going to go absolutely mad. To be fair, I thought, um, you know, we kept our heads pretty well after that. Um, I know that we sunk right back into our shell and obviously chucked holding on and really went for the rear guard action. But, um, you know, we looked really, really solid. I mean, I know we've had a lot of practice at yeah. this recently, um, the Liverpool game in particular. And, you know, we did very well against City until those those dying, dying seconds. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I was... I think if it had been any other side who had more of a reputation for scoring, I'd have been more concerned. Obviously, it was incredibly tense, but mm. I did kept I kept watching Wolves and I kept thinking, they don't have that many ideas here. They're literally just going to lob the ball into the box and hope that one of their players beats one of our players to mm. it. And given the size of the three centre-backs, plus Party plus Xhaka, I actually felt relatively comfortable if they're going to keep doing that particular tactic. Um, and, you know, I guess... 
there's a little bit of <laughs> I can say this now because you know we obviously got the three points. I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel completely overwhelmed by the situation in the way that I might have done a couple of years ago. It feels like we're better set up for it now. Practice makes perfect. I think that's yeah. that that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I did worry a little bit, or not worry. I wondered about the substitution immediately taking Saka off and and putting Rob Holding on, but I suppose. You know, we can look at it in hindsight and say it was a great decision because Holding made nine clearances, eight of which yeah. were in our penalty box. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a great deal of invention from Wolves, but there was certainly pressure, and that, that pressure, it doesn't always take something special for the ball to end up in your own net. You know, it can just be a scrappy one. There was one in particular, I think, when when the ball was headed back across and Gabriel cleared and we just about got it clear. But the defensive commitment and organization was was absolutely fantastic. The yeah, I mean, ju- just the way we stayed compact, I think we we decided or certainly it was decided from the sidelines that okay the way to see this game out is to defend against a team which isn't that inventive it's a bit risky but what really can you do in in those circumstances and and i think they deserve huge credit ramsdale as well stepped up a couple of times there was one absolutely superb save where i think he came out to uh, punch the ball away and the guy whacked it back in as he was getting up off the ground yeah, one of those really spectacular saves, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? one of those really spectacular saves but you know everybody pitched in in those in those final uh, 20 minutes 20 plus minutes i can't say i felt as comfortable as you did um just because the uh, i particularly after the miss i thought oh this is really going to come back to bite us and you know i could not get the man city game out of my head you know the fact that we had defended so well against city and then it was just one moment where it was wrong by 20 percent in the box and they just poked it home and got the winner. Like, I didn't think we were going to lose the game, but I so badly wanted us to take all three points that, that I was absolutely, um, yeah, it was butt clenching stuff. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I guess for me, in my mind, what I kept thinking back to was the Liverpool game and the fact that we lasted so long there. And, um, yeah, Mm. the, 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 the guys obviously really enjoy that backs the wall kind of game state I think you know Ramsdale loves G'ing up Ben White and Gabriel and they yeah. seem to really love kind of winning headers I mean holding one six six or six headers um the ball is very much attracted to that new head of hair of his isn't it it's kind of like they <laughs> you went to Turkey and they installed a magnet or something um but it's uh yeah I mean he was it was it was great I mean there was there was that one hair raising moment I think where hmm. yeah Ramsdale came out and the the ball suddenly was a bit loose and, and holding was there just to clear her up. And, but that, I mean, I think holding, I mean, it was really interesting that Arteta particularly said that holding basically came on. He praised his attitude. He fact that he's, you know, holding spent this season mostly on the bench, hasn't he? Mm. Been asked to fill in when he has to. And I mean, he's seen more action than you might expect from a central defender, given, uh, you know, his status in the squad because of the number of red cards that we keep getting. And he keeps being thrown on to kind of help with the backs of the wall situation. But um, he seems like a really top bloke, you know, captain's material, but, won't be captain because I don't think his status in the squad is necessarily what it needs to be to to carry that kind of long term. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just to be honest, the, the whole way things played out made it all the more satisfying, didn't it? The win. Yeah. I mean, we needed the win so much just to get ourselves going again, knowing that games are kind of a bit sporadic at the moment, and uh, that just kind of gets everyone going for the next was it nine days, eight days eight until days. we play again. Um, so yeah, it's the perfect. It was the perfect comeback, really, and I, I feel like everyone's you know supporters and fans are back on side and while it's annoying about the Martinelli thing I think we can get past Brentford without him it's not too painful yeah I mean I think it in some ways when you come away from a game like this in those circumstances um and we've discussed the the us against them mentality that we kind of need to to maintain that siege mentality whatever you want to call it things like this where there's a perceived injustice because I think the players you know, if Mikel Arteta, who has been in football since he was professional football, since he was 17 years of age at Barcelona, if he can say, I've never seen anything like that when it comes to a red card, you can be quite sure the players haven't either. And I suspect that they, you know, will have felt some, um, yeah, they, they would have been upset by that decision. So it all feeds into that that commitment and this idea that this is a strong group, a very unified group, that they're together. You can see by the way they work. Um, I mean, just to go back to holding for one second, I think this is absolutely what he is best at. Mm. You know, penalty box, meet and drink defending, just head it away, get yourself in position. Um uh, he slotted into the center of those two center halves as well, you know. So he was kind of playing like <clears throat> not a sweeper, but like that third center half where you have uh, a responsibility to go and attack the ball um, when it comes in. He did it so well; it was it was absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, you don't want him to be in those scenarios uh, particularly often because you know they're no good for anyone. But you know. Th- what we can take from this game or what we can take from this performance, I think, you know, as a team is plenty. There's loads of room for improvement. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. There's loads of room to do more with the ball and with possession when we have it. And maybe you're in a position when that red card happens that that it's not as damaging, that you're sitting on a 3-0 lead rather than a 1-0 lead. You know, those are things that I think we we absolutely have to look at and to target, to target those kinds of improvement. But at the end of the day, I came away at the final whistle thinking fucking yes get in that is a big big win and i love the celebrations i absolutely love the celebrations and i love the fact that arsenal players celebrating that win seemed to annoy the shit out of pretty much all the other football fans on twitter last night <laughs> i mean they're just so fucking tiresome this idea that like oh look at them it's like they've won the world cup well you fucking idiots you don't have to win the world cup to celebrate something in a game of football the whole point of the game is to celebrate these these moments whether it's a goal in the first minute a goal in the last minute an amazing save whatever it is but like you're down to 10 men you're playing against a uh, a tough team that you need to beat, who are close to you in the table, you feel like there's an injustice uh, that has been perpetrated upon you because of this bizarre red card. You've been under the cosh for 20 plus minutes. You've you've held on. You've worked hard. You've stayed disciplined and organized and defended and defended and defended why the fuck wouldn't you celebrate that? Like this idea that it has to be something in inverted commas meaningful. Otherwise you're just like 
assholes I, I like all of those people can go and fuck themselves these celebration police who are like oh well you can't do that because blah, blah. it's like go f- just fuck off the funniest thing last night was that it was mostly driven by comments by ruben neves you know the wolves player he was the one who was particularly irked by the idea that the Arsenal yeah. players might be celebrate as if he himself has never celebrated a win with 10 men you know um yeah i mean yeah, fuck everyone else at the moment. I mean, it's uh, it really is a situation where we know how much it matters because we know where we are as a team. We know what we need to do over the course of the next two months. There's so much riding on this. You know, yeah. it feels like once again Arsenal are kind of living life on a knife edge, and you know this isn't really celebrating this one win. Of course, that that was part of it, but we're actually celebrating the fact that everything the whole season is kind of riding on you know us building some momentum right now it's not about one 90 minute and three points in that particular situation this is about us keeping our season alive until Mm. the last minute and giving us the best chance to get into the champions league which could potentially completely change the dynamic of where the club goes over the next few years yeah it sounds a bit hyperbolic but honestly that is where we are at the moment I mean, I'm pretty sure Ruben Neves celebrated a win against nine-man Arsenal last season when fucking David Luiz got his red card for for running behind a guy. Like, I'm not one, I'm not the biggest David Luiz fan in the world, but that was another fucking mad red card, you know? I was going to say, I mean, there was a real, it was a real sliding doors moment, wasn't it? Watching the, the Xhaka goal get disallowed. Because there we were, once again, having been 1-0 up at mm. Wolves, looking relatively comfortable, get a player sent off and immediately concede. Yeah. And last season, obviously, that was us done for. Suddenly, 2-1, points game gone, everything all over. And last night, you know, we came through it. And uh, I think all the more because of what happened last year. I mean, again, you can think, well, this is why this matters. This is why we're celebrating. Yeah. I mean, not all the players were there. But um, yeah, it just, it, it really felt like uh, 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 the perfect sort of, the perfect platform for us to build for the next five games before the next interlock. Well, sure. Um, and and the other thing to point out as well is that, you know, this is a week in which uh, Spurs were beaten. Yeah. Manchester United dropped points. So there was a real onus on us to... Um, you know, to, to try and get the maximum from this game and an opportunity in a way if we could get the maximum from this game to to really consolidate our position. I mean, we're fifth in the Premier League. We're a point off the top four. We're two games in hand. I mean, that's a really nice position to be in. So even uh, extrapolating from winning the game in those circumstances, you know, the fact that we put ourselves into a good position in the, in the table is something to, to celebrate as well. Like, you know, you can... You know, I don't. I just don't get the like. Well, we've only beaten Wolves one nil. What is there to celebrate? You know, you can enjoy a game on its own merits. You can look at things and celebrate things in the moment and understand that they. You know, it doesn't mean that we're definitely going to finish top four. It doesn't mean that this team is now the greatest team of all time. But in those circumstances, you you have to be able to to take some pleasure from what football can give you, particularly on a night when it felt like that football was trying to take something away from us, uh, mm. you know, with that, with that crazy red card and, and the, the, the circumstances it put us in. So, you know, it's a big, big week um, for the team. And we've, 
maybe had questions, maybe not questions about the character and the resilience, because I think the players we have in the team right now are, are ones whose characters and whose personalities we, we like. Um, but the proof of it is what you come away with at the end of 90 minutes. And I think if we'd gone and let in a goal in the last couple of minutes against Wolves, as understandable as it might be, as rational as it might be to say, well, you know, on paper, a point away at Wolves isn't the worst result in the world. I think we'd still feel quite downhearted, particularly after what happened against Burnley, where there was an expectation that at home against that opposition, this is a game that we should win. It it answered just a couple of questions last night as well. Well, I mean, we're in a situation now heading into the the last few months of the season where if we want to finish in the top four, we basically have to hit the 70-point mark mm. and every point counts. Drop, dropping two points is going to be as bad as defeats when you look at the games that we haven't mm. got arranged at the moment that need to be, you know, the Chelsea game, the, the Liverpool game, the, the, the Spurs game. I mean, those are three big... These, these fixtures against the sides beneath us in the table mm. we absolutely have to turn the screw on on our rivals and win them yeah um so yeah i mean i think we, what we're doing is buying ourselves wiggle room at the moment to potentially lose against some of the bigger clubs that you might expect us to to lose against given our recent record um we have to, we have to keep winning these games though yeah. and that's why i think you know we've got three out of four of the next games are at, at home against sides again who are below us in the table Got to win. Got to get to the end of March. Uh, is it the end of March? Yeah, it is the end of March when um, when the interlal kicks in again. Having not lost any of these games, mm. so I think that's a run of we've got Brentford, then Wolves again, Watford, and, and and Leicester and Aston Villa. If we can get through that run of games, we're in a really nice position, knowing that there's a really you know there's going to be a real difficult run after that with mm. the rearranged games um, to give ourselves a chance. Yeah, that that's really my focus is block the season off now into little chunks, and right now it's get to the end of March, as as intact as possible that that unbeaten run. Mm. Seventeen cup finals, they said. One cup final, one Andrew can't celebrate yeah, after mean, winning a cup final. What can I you do? <laughs> I, I, I I don't know whether my heart will make it all the way to the end of May, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll I, see. I know. I you know. I, I was thinking that at one point last night. Not, I wasn't concerned for my cardiac health, but I was, I was watching the game and thinking, Christ, you know, was it always like this? Did no, it, did it, wasn't. it Did it always feel like this perilous life or death kind of situation? I don't know that it did. Even when games were, were maybe more important. Bigger games, like you know, when you're challenging for the title and you're you're playing a game against you know a Charlton or one of those kind of, or even a Wolves, you know, they never quite felt like this. And maybe that comes down to us and the the need to be better so we can be more confident or whatever it might be. But I think every game resonates so yeah. much further and so much longer these days uh, because of the media culture that we live in and that we're part of, obviously. So I'm not blind to that, but it, it does feel like, like there's just a bit more to it. And particularly when you can sort of sense that there is a, an opportunity there for Arsenal. Like we're in a, in a position in the table where I didn't necessarily think we would be. 
you know, and uh, we have an opportunity ahead of us that I didn't necessarily think we would have this mm. season. And I'm delighted for it. And I hope we can keep it up. But the stakes are the stakes are higher now. So I guess that means that, you know, as we watch and as we observe and as we experience the ups and downs and thrills and spills of these next 16 games, uh, it is going to be roller coastery in, in terms of what it does to our hearts and our stomachs and everything else. Yeah, I mean, look, the league is super competitive as well now. Mm. I mean, compared to what it used to be, it feels like, as, as I mean, as the old adage goes, there's no easy games in the Premier League. But yeah. I mean, the league is really tight. There's some very good sides packing up the middle area, really good players playing for them. So I feel like you go into any game, especially away from home, and you think, shit, we could lose this. We could yeah. easily lose this. Um, they've given us hope now, Arsenal, like you. I think in the preseason preview we wrote, I mean, I, I had us down for sixth at a push mm. you know, sixth would be decent I thought I mean at the, at the time I had no idea how our signings were going to settle we hadn't even made all of the signings but you know we're ahead of where I thought we'd be I think some of the tension definitely comes from the fact that we are struggling to score goals mm. and I just look at the team and I think like we might have got away with it last night missing that chance and surviving with 10 men but we can't keep doing that. No. And it's going to be a real, real struggle, particularly away from home, I think, for us to grind out results with everything being that tense all of the time. I, I, and, I, and there's no... I don't think there's a magical solution now. I look at the squad and I think this... You know, I don't expect Nketiah to come in and suddenly have a, a blinding run of form and score a few goals. I don't expect um, Lacazette to suddenly become a player who's going to sort of score 10 goals between now and the end of the season... Um, I don't know if Pepe's got the trust of the manager again you know he wasn't the first choice to come on when we still had 11 men on the box I think there is that there is that there in mind which that is there and it concerns me and again it's like why we're celebrating so much it's because you know we don't know how long this is going to last really. <laughs> so you're saying it's all on the Kieran Tierney long throw basically <sighs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> Stoking our way into the Champions League. All right, bring it on, I say. Andrew, as ever, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Great to be on. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you very much to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at A. Allen Sport, at A. Allen Sport. So 
there you go. Football is back, and we've won a game, and that's good. And now we have to wait a little while before we play again, because there's no football this weekend. We play Brentford next weekend, but I guess that gives us time to recover from the exertions that we put in last night at Wolves. It gives us time to hopefully get Tommy Asu back fit and work on some stuff on the training ground this week that involves sticking the ball in the back of the net on a repeated basis. Kieran Tierney's long throws, Alexandra Lacazette scoring with his arse uh, or his elbow, I don't mind. But let's hope we can do a bit more of that uh, against Brentford in our next game. More on that, of course, next week, etc., etc. For now, though, I am going to leave it there. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. Thanks for subscribing and downloading and all that. It's hugely appreciated. You can find more stuff over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash arseblog. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra, so join us for that. In the meantime, take it easy. Have a great weekend, and we will catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Arsenal Football Club have made an appeal to Waco, the World Association of Corrupt Officials, to stop having players sent off. The Gunners have picked up 72 red cards in just three fixtures this season. Head of Football Bits, Sir Dicklington Garlic, said... I mean, I should send one any opposition off from time to time, just to make it fair. Meanwhile, Mike Riley has got himself a brand new PM. W.